welcome to episode 406 of Awards Daily's Water Cooler Podcast. My name is Clarence Moy, and I am joined by the other two M's. So M's, let's go around the cooler and tell the listeners who you are and where they can find you on the internet. Joey, we'll start with you. Hi, I'm Joey Moser. You can find <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Joey Moser eighty three. We'll dive into that. Hi, I was going to say, was that Ross Geller? <laughs> <laughs> Megan. Hi, I'm Megan McLaughlin. You can find me on Twitter at Hey Dude Meg. And again, I'm Clarence Moy. You can find me on Twitter at Clarence Moy. So, guys, what's new today? Have you had any? <laughs> I'm sorry. I guess I should ask. Do any of you have secret documents hidden in your house or garage? <laughs> I actually joked with Jason. I was like, maybe we all have secret documents and we just don't know it. Well, you know that my, my actually what my mom has in the garage are two weird things that are mine. One is a bird cage for a bird. I've never had. She's supposed to decorate. And the other thing is a, uh, like a wooden hole, a wooden horse like that I was go- planning on putting on wheels and keeping in my house. Those are the two things my mom has. Oh, in it is not just horse. It's like, you could sit on it like a like a like a little um like a like like a, like a child's rocking chair, yeah. <laughs> I cert- literally don't know what to say to that. So. I know, I was gonna say I killed the conversation and I apologize. <laughs> We're putting you in the corner. <laughs> uh yeah, I'm trying to think what is oh god, my uh, I don't even know what the hell I, that's one of the things I I don't mean to be morbid, but that's one of the things we all we are all gonna have to face this. There are going to be places that we have to clean out, you know, for our parents, I guess, or family members or something like that. And and uh I think about my parents' house because I'm an only child and so I'm gonna be the one that has to do all that. And I'm like, God knows what I'm gonna find in that house. <laughs> that is really morbid. I know it is, and I'm sorry. And uh, <laughs> Anyway, I, I was just thinking about what's what's shoved in, in uh, the garage, uh, the hidden treasures and all that stuff. I don't know. But no no classified documents. I, I don't have any classified documents stored in my house, I don't think. But Mike Pence said he didn't. And then, la, 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 he did. <laughs> but everybody everybody has documents now. But what about... British? Sh- Jesus Christ. I'm sure Mike Pence also screams mother when he ejaculates, so I don't know... <laughs> Mother, but in like the most monotone voice ever, anywhere. It's like asking for like to pass this off, mother, and that's it. <laughs> so, aside from uh, hiding classified documents in your houses today, what did you guys do today? <laughs> Any news? Well, I obsessed over the Oscar nominations um, and had to get away from Twitter because everybody was just being really nasty and and like it's just Oscar nominations. Um, but I I was uh, I don't know about you, but I was kind of obsessed that that um, Andrea Riseborough got in. I was so shocked. Oh. I was driving in my car and I'm like, Clarence <laughs> <laughs> is recording this podcast in a hospital because he can't <laughs> off the road. Well, I just like that campaign started in earnest halfway through the voting cycle. Clearly, mm-hmm. some conversations had been had behind the scenes. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that there's some sort of conspiracy to say, you know, blah blah. But you know, Francis Farmer, is it Fisher or Farmer? Francis. Fisher. Fisher. Francis Fisher. Farmer, Farmer was, not yeah, Francis yeah, yeah. Farmer. No, no, she's dead. Um, <laughs> Francis Fisher. Uh, Francis Farmer came back from behind someone's the Someone's cleaning the grave. out her house right now. <laughs> no, she, she came from behind, from beyond the grave to tell the world that Andrea Riceboro's performance is the best one that has ever been committed to <laughs> cinema. Um, Francis Fisher has told us all that all she needed was 218 votes, which I think, you know, when you, when you think about voting for Oscars, you you think it seems insurmountable to get everybody to agree on in a handful of performances, but really it all boils down to math and it's 218 is the number. And if you communicate that, you know, she, she I, I said this on the other podcast, Andrea Riceborough seems to me to be the Kevin Bacon of actresses. She has acted in films with everybody and she's not a yeah. street, right? But she's been in, and I mean, you could do six degrees of Andrea Riceborough for sure. And uh, she knows a lot of people. She was she in she was in four movies alone this year. Yeah. Four movies with big, you know, she was in Amsterdam, which I don't think anybody saw. Um, Matilda, um, Please Baby Please, and and to Leslie. So and I've seen all of them. <laughs> I love Andrea Riseborough. I yeah, do too. Excellent. I've loved her for a long time. Yeah. And so 
I feel like she is one of those actors that you're like, when you hear her name, you're like, oh yeah, she's good in everything. So I wonder if, if that kind of helped that like, oh yeah, she's been good in like one of the last things I saw her in, I and mean, this was a while ago, but she was really good in Waco. Um, that, oh yeah. That TV miniseries on Netflix or was it on Netflix? No, it was on like Paramount plus then that went to Netflix. But um uh, she was really good in Black Mirror, that creepy episode of Black Mirror that actually is like the last one that I remember. Oh, yeah. um, oh Battle of the Sexes. I forgot. She was like in that yeah. great scene with the like the uh, ASMR, like everybody talked about that scene with the hairdryer and stuff. Yeah. Like she, she's been putting out good work for a long time. And I think I think people were kind of excited to embrace something like I think I, I think it didn't take much for people to embrace it. And I also want to point out that Francis Fisher, who some people were cursing to hell, um, which is that. a bit much <laughs> um, that she also said it looks like there are four locks. And she named Viola Davis, Danielle Deadweiler, um, Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh. And she said, let's try to get her in this fifth spot, basically. So it's not like she was aiming to take away from other women in the category that like she was just trying to get a spot. I, I think it was actually pretty cool, but um, oh, I, I know I'm probably canceled for this already. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think she's showing support for something that she loved. And that's what we, everybody, that's what our, our rights are. Um, as you, what, what the dangerous, the danger in, in the statement like that. And I actually read that out on the other podcast um, as well. The danger in a statement like that is that it, 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 it subtly asks people not to vote for somebody that they perhaps would have thought they were their favorites or not to put them at number one when they're probably already getting in there. And we know what happens when that happens like Ben Affleck and, and, yeah. um, you know, the year for Argo and, and, uh, uh, Oh God, what's her name for zero dark 30, Catherine Bigelow. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. you know, everybody assumed they were in and they didn't vote them at number one. And all of a sudden they didn't get in. That yeah. said, I there's a lot of. Pa- I, I, I was more surprised that Viola Davis didn't get in than I was Daniel Deadweiler because Daniel Deadweiler fantastic performance didn't seem to be a lot of passion around it. I, think, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I think also I was more actually. I said this to a couple of people. I was more shocked that Viola Davis didn't get in because she hit everywhere and. um and uh, I think they they didn't go to bat for that movie at all. It got completely shut out. So I was like, okay, that it, it would be weird. It would be even weirder if it got like costume design, production design, or even maybe something random like score. Um, and she didn't get in. But I feel like that shows more of a sign that they maybe just all around didn't show up for that movie. Um, and I also I've also been telling people that I feel like you know you know be damn Andrea Riseborough's teams strategy but i feel like till started off really strong and everybody was saying like how amazing it is and she was like you know ingenue all the way becoming an uh, an oscar nominee and then it just died like the buzz for that movie died and no one was bringing it back in so i don't know i think that's yeah i also want to point out that best actress we knew was going to be a bloodbath we knew Basically, the only two people I knew that were going to be in there were Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh. Like, yeah. I really, I really didn't think Michelle Williams was getting in at all. Like, I didn't. Once she was an in supporting actress, I was like, oh, she's probably not getting in. And I figured it was going to be Viola Davis and maybe two. I, I didn't really think Daniel Deadweiler was going to get in, but I did think Viola Davis was going to get in. But um, I, I think that's the other thing we're forgetting is that it was like a really strong year in that category. I mean, it could, if honestly, if, if Margot Robbie would have showed up in there and showed up in there today, I wouldn't have been surprised. And I think that's really kind of weird because, you know, she's, there's like 10 performances that everybody was talking about that could have been in there. So I, I don't think it's, it's as easy as, you know, saying yeah. that people were snubbed. I think it was also just like a really good year for that category. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Joy. Oh, I was just going to mention as soon as the nominations were over and I started like, you know, uploading reactions to the website, which I'm still doing in 820. Um, <laughs> there are so many. Like, I remember like the Emmy to Emmy reaction day is like insane because there's quite literally like 500 categories and it's, it's like an all day endeavor. This, I was like, oh, I'll be fine until like eight or nine. And then I was like, that's not that many categories. There's only 23. And then I keep getting 
reaction. <laughs> um, um, which I'm happy to do. Um, but I watched Two Leslie today. Um, I think she's, I can see why actors would vote for that movie because it is an actory, big, showy performance. Do I think, I don't remember which celebrity said this, that was like, we've never seen anything like this before. And I was like, that's, no, that's, that's too much. But um, she, she does, she, uh, Andrea Riseborough as an actress, when she gets a part like this, she goes harder than um, probably any other actress that I can think of off the top of my head. Like she goes for it. She's not afraid to look a certain way. She's, she, she, I don't know. Like she, uh, her other movie that she did this year, please baby, please. It's like, it's like really broad. It's, it's, it's sort of a, a, a campy uh, tone for that movie. And she really goes for it. And I kept thinking about that movie when I watched this movie, even though it's a much, more, much grounded, more somber topic, but she does a lot of stuff. Like there's a scene at the end between her and Aunt Alice and Janie where she doesn't, she's listening and her face changes. So I can see like, I can see why actors would respond to it. I can see why Kate Winslet went to bat. Amy Adams went to bat for her. I can see that. So it's not like I watched the movie and I'm like, this is garbage. Why? <laughs> well, and, and the thing that I would caution people, I know that there's a lot of, of uh, urge to think Kate Blanchett and Michelle Williams are going to split. I mean, excuse me, Michelle Yeoh are going to split the vote. And Andrea Riceboro is the the hot new surprise here. And maybe they'll want to vote for her and, and, and maybe she wins. But I urge people to remember that these categories are voted on by the entire Academy. And I don't think the entire Academy is not going to go rush out and see to Leslie. I think they're going to have votes to yeah. get her in. And I don't think she's number five here, by the way. Um, but I don't think she's going to win personally. I, I yeah, it, I, yeah, I, I don't see that happening either. By the way, Joey, I thought the same thing when I was watching it, I thought this is a very actory performance because she's like in like every scene and she's also playing at points. Like she gets to play, like, what would they say? Like all parts of her instrument. Like she gets to do like drunken scenes, which she's a really good drunk. She gets to do like, some loud scenes. Like, I don't know. Yeah. She just gets to really use like every part. She of screams the... a lot. She's yeah. Like, she's like, she's, she's like... uglify, you know, like, you know, they, not that she's ugly, but she's like, you know, she looks uh, like she's been worn down by life. And she's, um, yeah, she's Charlene. She's Star Charlie's Theron. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so she, but she also, but I also think one of the things that that movie has going for it is it has like a redemptive ending without like, without spoiling anything, but it's, it's a, a, like typical Oscar bait films are going to end with a sad note. And I feel like this one has some hopefulness, which, which I felt like with Daniel Deadweiler's, well, that also, I guess had a little bit of hope at the end of that film with her kind of like getting involved with the, more of the civil rights movement and everything that she was kind of veering away, not veering away from, but that, that was kind of what they hinted at in the film. But um, I feel like this one has is watchable and you kind of leave thinking, oh, that was like I was on a ride and things turned out better. You know, I, I think that's a rare, a rare film in this category, like a rare role in yeah. this category. I think also it, the sort of, it actually kind of, reminded me a little bit of the theme that's in empire of light of hitting rock bottom and picking yourself back up. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of that a little bit. Um, there's a scene, um, where it's in a bar, it's like three fourths of the way through and the camera is, is like the camera looks like it's behind the bar or on top of the bar. And I think the camera is slowly moving in on her while she's sitting on one end and she's drunk and she's trying to light a cigarette and I actually stopped what I was doing. I was like, is Andrea Riseborough wasted in this scene? Like the way her hands are moving and the way she, even that I thought was, I was like, all right, I get She's it. Method. She's, I was just like, who knows? I was, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I can understand people's frustration because there's a, there are a lot of people, especially online that had a lot of passion for Daniel Deadweiler. And I think that's a fantastic performance, especially for somebody that is a fresher face. Um, but I can also see how people are passionate about Andrea Riseborough. So I can see both things. 
the last thing I want to say about this and we need to move on is uh, every word that both of you, I've not seen the film. I will see it this week, but the every word that both of you have used to describe this performance in this film makes me think it's, it's a fake Oscar movie and a Paul Rudnick screenplay. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I think you actually will like it. Yeah, I no, think, I'm sure. Yeah. It, I think, you know, the, uh, the other thing, I hope that this causes people and critics voting groups um, and and those who try to influence the race, Oscar bloggers, I hope it causes them next year and the year after to look more broadly at performances that aren't, you know, that don't come in the corridor of the fall film festival circuit that aren't, you know, buzzed about and don't have the PR teams behind them because, you know, it, it, it we're missing great performances. I mean, there are a yeah. hundred two Leslie's out there that just I, never yeah. get anywhere near. Look at, right. I think what people should do and maybe take a little bit more seriously. I mean, she was nominated for an indie spirit. So it's not like yeah. no award body didn't see this. Like there are other movies like when those, that awards body picks up movies that I feel like I've never heard of before. And um, I'm doing an, I'm posting an interview with an actor from one of those movies that I'd never heard of before. So I think maybe, maybe, um, when an awards body announces something like that, people maybe need to take, not like they need to take those movies more seriously now, but maybe people need to do a little bit more investigating in terms of like what is all out there. Right. I I also think that like maybe one of the reasons why it got in is because it's not, I, it's not a typical Oscar. It's, it is because it is so small. I almost feel like people kind of maybe, well, obviously the actors are that glommed onto this. Like they almost reacted to it like, oh, this is a small movie. Like I want to support this because I do think that there were movies or roles that were more like Oscar baity that they didn't want, maybe they didn't want to go for. And not to single out Danielle Deadweiler her role because she's great in that movie but i do feel like that's one that is usually like oh this should be a slam dunk and i wonder if they're almost reacting to that but like no we're not going to do this we're going to do something different i do think there's been a trend um ever since i think you can probably peg this on green book maybe starting with shape of water but there's been a trend of of oscar voters and the more they and the more they add to the academy people are looking for something that's not your traditional oscar film um because you know, you had Green Book, but that led to Parasite, that led to No Man Land. Then, you know, we had Coda, of course, but, um, you know, we'll see. And then leading to the, the broad embrace, embracing of something that would never have been a traditional Oscar movie, which is everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, I agree. So it'll be interesting to see. Um what else, Joey? What's so that Megan's big surprise of the day was the uh, Andrea Riceboro um, nomination. I'm assuming you were also surprised by that. But what else? Mm -hmm. um, what else uh, made you clutch your pearls? <laughs> um, my okay. So everyone probably knows that I'm a big uh, Everything Everywhere fan. I knew that it was going to do well. I thought it was going to do well. Um, I mean, the thing that made me happiest was Stephanie Shu getting into supporting actress. Um, but I think maybe the things that surprised me more were the two nominations that Everything Everywhere got for score and for costume design. And I say both of those because I didn't see anybody predicting those. Um, it was shortlisted for score. They don't do a shortlist for costumes. Um, the I think the score itself is as expansive as the movie itself. And I love the music. I actually listen to it all the time. Um, but... I love that Shirley Karata got in for costume design because it is a mixture of fantasy and sci-fi in period, but there is a lot of really important uh, contemporary modern stuff in there. And the Academy doesn't typically go for contemporary costuming in costume design. So there is like the historical element of like, you know, when you see Michelle Yeoh as the opera singer, or um, there is like a, a quick, like Vivian Westwood inspired 1940s film noir dress that you see Stephanie Shu in. But like, I think some of the costuming that is contemporary is actually very important to the story. And when, when they announced that category and they announced Shirley Karata as being a nominee, because I didn't predict it, I was like, oh, okay, everything everywhere is going to do very, very well. If it picked up that and then it picked up score later. So that was probably my favorite biggest surprise outside of something like Stephanie should be in. I love the costumes. I'm glad that that's a really good 
good call. I was glad yeah. that the the costume that that Stephanie Shu wears at the end, where it looks like um, when I spoke to Shirley Carano, she said it looks like um, put it like lint in a dryer when you put a whole bunch of stuff in the dryer and it all comes out. So everything that she's wearing in that final fight, where her hair is really huge, she's um, wearing that big clownish outfit with the clownish makeup when. Um, people want to read my interview with Shirley Carrado on awardsdaily.com. Um, she says that like everything she's wearing in that is a little bit of everything that you see from all the other universes. Like the shoes are joys, but there's like a fluffy thing from something, a white, a white collar or something like that from the white universe or the bagel universe. That's like one of my favorite costumes of anything I've seen all year. Look, you know, <clears throat> if you're going to look at these nominations and you're going to focus on the fact that Women King was shut out or Nope was shut out or Daniel Deadweiler didn't get in, then you're never going to be happy with the Academy Award nominations. But there's so much here to celebrate that, you know, taking the person out of it, taking the, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, but taking, um, taking the status out of it. There's just so much great work on display here. And there's so much to be excited for. And there are so many races that are genuinely up in the air that I think it's, mm -hmm. it, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, do I wish Daniel Deadweiler were in there? Sure. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. Yeah. I feel the same way. I was thinking about like how, like, you know, I was the biggest women talking fan and which that was my other surprise is I was really, just so happy it got in for yeah. adapted screenplay and best picture. Uh, would I have liked to have seen it get in for some acting categories? Yes, especially since it would have helped my um, fantasy Oscar. But <laughs> um, but I I am so happy to see one for one thing. Uh, everything everywhere all at once is a movie I appreciate. I feel like I need to rewatch it, but I'm so happy to see the representation there. Like how exciting and how, you know, I know that people were really upset and said that the Oscars got it wrong, but um, how can you be unhappy with, with, you know, Stephanie Hsu getting in and even Jamie Lee Curtis, like what a long time coming. And of course, Michelle Yeoh, Kei Hee Kwan, Kei Hee Kwan. Um, it's it's just really exciting. I, I just don't see how we can be. I mean, I saw somebody call it embarrassing and I'm like, I don't think it's embarrassing by any means. I think, um, yeah, I think I think they really did a lot of great, really progressive things. So I think there's a lot to be happy about. Mm -hmm. Also, Brian Tyree Henry. What a great. Oh, my God. That was so exciting. He's, so exciting. I that was like one of those performances that I really love him in that movie. He's like he if I had like a personal Oscar ballot, he would be on it. Cause I think he's he's this really contemplative actor and he it's he has got such a good performance. I screamed when they said his name because it was sort of like one of those performances that like the movie didn't necessarily hit. It feels too small. He picked up maybe like two, three nominations here and there but when they said his name that 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 floored me he's so good in that movie and he's such a he's such a great actor too so i'm glad that this movie is his like first nomination have either of you seen that movie no i haven't seen it but he's been putting out good work for years, yeah he really has so so that was just knowing that he was in there was like that was really exciting too yeah clarence what did you like oh um Let's see. Like nothing. No, not <laughs> at all. Not at all. I mean, I was. Ex I mean, I was excited that All Quiet on the Western Front did well. I mean, yes. I think it's, it's yeah. an impeccably crafted film. I think, uh, you know, and this is a testament to the shape to the strength of the film because it wasn't Netflix's front runner for a very long time. If they had been campaigning this since October, the way that they had been campaigning Glass Onion or um, Bardo, it would have done. It would have gotten Edward Berger in for that fifth director slot instead of um, Oscar. That Hogan. surprised me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was really surprising. But um, I mean, I I was excited. Um, I was excited to see it do so oh. well. I was excited that um, there was a lot of little things. I mean, I'm excited. Babylon still got four Oscar nominations, and um, three of them extraordinarily well deserved. Um, what else? There's one thing that really irritated me, but we've already talked about that on the side, and I'm not going to talk about that publicly. <laughs> yes. Um, because I do respect the artist, just, you know, 
I'm, I'm, I'm fatigued there. Um, I, I, I was thrilled, actually. I've been talking, Not I'm not the only one. I'm not taking sole credit for this or anything like that. But I have been talking about the Bardo cinematography since I sat through that thing in Telluride, <laughs> all three hours of it. And I'm like, God, this cinematography is fantastic. And I was glad to see it nominated. Um, but, you know, the, I, was, uh, I was happy that I got at least two categories, five for five. Um, I don't think I've done that before. I don't know that I necessarily have been tracking it, but uh, I, I was excited for that. Um, you know, I, there are a couple of quibbles that I would have, um, but otherwise I was generally very happy. I don't know that um, looking at the Fablemans that Judd Hirsch was the actor that I would have singled out myself. I really uh-huh. thought he was going to get snubbed. I was really surprised by that. Yeah. But, um, but uh, you know, Kiki Kwan's going to win that for sure. But I was so excited Barry Keegan got nominated. I mean, I think that I love oh. the work that Kiki Kwan does <laughs> in that film. But uh, Barry Keegan broke my heart in that movie. And uh, it's, a, it's an odd performance, but it's an odd, great performance. Um, yeah. that, just that one scene alone. I see gifs of that. Yeah. Scene between yes. him and Siobhan and I like literally choke up because it's just it's so sad. <laughs> yeah. And He's so I know a lot of people were predicting this, but I was so excited to see Hong Chow finally get recognition. Yeah. Um that was exciting. So great in so many things. I mean, I rewatched yeah. the menu um this past weekend, Megan. And, yeah. Uh, I liked it so much better the second time. I don't know why. It's, really? Yeah. Maybe I need to watch it again. She's really yeah. good in it. She's fantastic. She's the best thing about it, I would say, of all the acting in it. I think Ray Fiennes is pretty great. Oh, yeah, he's good, too. Those two are the, they're very good. By the way, I, I'm going to butcher this. Tw- I got to read this tweet out. I, I This this tweet made me giggle so much. And it, the tweet was, Mia Goth is Anya Taylor-Joy for people on antidepressants. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Like, and very true. <laughs> yeah. God. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, you know, I didn't have anything that like one moment that made me jump up and down and scream. Yes. But, um, uh, you know, it was, uh, I was glad to see Michelle Williams get in there. I know, um, people were thinking she was, I, I like you, Megan, I did think she was going to end up in the supporting actress race, but when, um, Stephanie Sue showed up there for everything everywhere, um, and took Jimmy Lee Curtis's Oscar away from her, um, I was like, well, Michelle Williams is gone. Yeah. <laughs> So I thought, think, yeah, uh, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Joy. Oh no! I, when I was doing my predictions last night, I was just like, "Where does she go?" Like, I remember a good five minutes. I was like, "Do I think she's going to go here?" No, and I put her. I actually put her in lead, and I took Daniel Deadweiler out, and I, I, I was very happy. But I'm just happy that she, that Michelle Williams got a nomination anywhere because I am in the camp of liking that performance. Oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead. I love that performance. Um, yeah. wait, you were. Picking your nominations last night still? <laughs> oh, I do it like up until I normally have like a like you know like a list in my bag that I keep that I come back to, but I actually picked all of my predictions like before I went to bed. That's really funny because I was looking at when we put our AD picks, I was like, I don't agree with any of mine. <laughs> I, I need to yeah. start doing them more last second because I was like, wait, I forgot this, this, and this. <laughs> I work a lot like, better under pressure. Yeah, I didn't. I, none of I didn't agree with anything that I had written that I had p- predicted, and I think because I did it earlier. But um, note to self, uh, yeah, that's funny. Okay, well, um, you'll be hearing more from uh, all of us on as members, as just as Megan just referenced of the uh, Awards Daily Oscar Squad. We'll probably roll out with our first um, predictions of winners um, sometime next week. But uh, we're going to segue to what is our what was supposed to be our main topic of the week, which is uh, <laughs> Megan has been attending the Sundance Film Festival, representing awards daily, but virtually. And Megan, I know you haven't obviously been at events um, since you're not in Park City, but you have been watching some of the movies. So why don't you carry us through what you've seen and what's been your favorite so far? Sure. So uh, I've seen about nine, I, I would say projects. Because I, I watched a uh, documentary series, Willie Nelson and Family, that's that's really good, um, which is five episodes 
Um, and it's, it's kind of takes you through his whole life and him like, you know, becoming what he is and, and his whole, uh, the journey there, which was really fascinating. And, um, I, I realized I was thinking to myself, I was so excited to watch this and I still haven't watched like the Beatles get back. And I'm like, what does that say about me that I think I, I think I'm more excited to watch Willie Nelson than the Beatles. And I don't know what that means, but, um, I really enjoyed it. And I really, um, I'm wondering, I don't know where it's going to, where it's ending up, but it's, it's a really, really good documentary. Um, another one of documentaries that I've seen, I saw the disappearance of Cher Height, um, from director Nicole, um, Newham, Newham. And, um, I, this is probably my favorite one of the festival so far, cause it's about, um, well, Cher Height, this, uh, I guess, kind of pioneer for the female orgasm and she wrote the height report in the seventies and also wrote, um, where she would like survey men, women about sex and ask them questions. And, um, you know, of course people were outraged, but I mostly men, you know, uh, I really, I just really responded to it. really, really liked it. And I mean, of course I would, it's, it's, it's like Joey watches all his gay stuff. I watch all my female centered things. Um, but I, I really, I had no idea who Cher Height was. And I was asking my mother and aunt who, who were, you know, alive at the time and they didn't know who she was either. And I think it's kind of a tragedy that she's not known today. Um, but I think it's a really good doc and uh, that's probably my favorite one uh, so far. But I also watched Fair Play last night. Um, Sorry, one second before you leave that documentary. Yes. I apologize for interrupting. Sure, no. Like- of that period, Betty Friedan kind of sucked all the air up and out of the room. I think you're probably right. And I, I wondered why I was thinking about the, the way she was received as Cher Height and how, I mean, she's this beautiful woman. I feel like if they did a, an, an, like a narrative film, like Jessica Chastain would have to play her. Like she's just very striking with her strawberry hair. And um, yeah, it was just interesting to, I, I Clarence, I'm interested to see what you would think of it. Um, because it is just fascinating about like how she would go about doing the surveys and uh, it was just interesting, but I think you're probably right there or even like Gloria Steinem probably mm-hmm. took a lot of attention too from the time period. Um, so yeah, but I saw fair play, which I think is another, I think it's one that you're going to really like too, Clarence. And I think Joey will like it too. And um, it's from Chloe DeMont and um, she was writer director and um and it has Alden Ehrenreich and Phoebe Dynever from from Bridgerton, which I was kind of reluctant. I, you know, I wasn't huge on her for for Bridgerton, and uh, but I, I realize now that she probably was her talents were not utilized properly. And um, this, even though this is a, I was like, oh great, this poor woman's going to be pigeonholed into being on all these sex thrillers or like sex films, you know. Um, but this one is really interesting. Um, and it really, like at first, like for the first half, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, I get what you're doing here. It feels like it may be an erotic thriller from the eighties or nineties, but then it really, the, the final act really just turns it up like to an 11, so to speak, to, to, uh, quote, this is Spinal Tap. Um, but I, I really liked it. And I, I think that's why I know Netflix bought it and they were smart to do so. Uh, I can't wait for you guys to see that one. I also watched uh, another doc, Judy Bloom Forever, because I'm a huge Aww. Judy Bloom fan, and I got to see her speak in Pittsburgh a few years ago, and uh, she, I got one of her signed books, and mm-hmm. it was great to just great to follow. She's just such a neat person. She really is. So what a special lady, special writer, and to kind of her listen to her talk about her books, it's because it's they do have like some talking heads in it, but it's mostly her telling her story and talking about the books and and talking about her ideas for them. And um, it, it was it's just really great. And she, you kind of follows how she grew too. Like she got out of a she was married. She's married three times. She got out of a kind of bad marriage um, right, right at the height peak of her um, fame. And um, I really enjoyed that one. Um, what else did I see? Magazine Dreams was one that's freshest in my mind. I just finished it. Um, it's from writer-director Elijah Bynum. And uh, wow, I uh, I knew that there was some controversy with this one with the, with the captions that people weren't able to have um, in Park City and that people walked out of it. Um, 
man, Jonathan Majors is somebody, another one I underestimated. Uh, but this movie, he's really incredible. Um, and I, I don't know if this will be his, you know, Oscar like nominated role, but he's getting closer to that Oscar. I, I feel like he's somebody in the next five to 10 years who will have an Oscar. Like um, he's just really good at it. And it's, Boy, is it hard to watch though? Um, just because it's uh it's really dark. It's it's uh he's almost like an incel and uh it's fascinating, it's disturbing, it's it's terrifying, it's um very tragic. Uh but I, I really respond to this one and um uh really really well done. Um let's see what else I've seen. I'm trying to think of things that I've let me pull up my list. Um I'm I'm seeing Cat Person tomorrow, which I'm really, or I think I'm going to watch it tomorrow or sometime soon. So I'm really excited about that one. Uh, oh, the other ones I saw were The Pod Generation, um, which is really, has kind of like a her vibe um, with Amelia Clark and Shibato Ejiofor, which like, those are that pairing together. I was kind of like, oh, how, yeah. how did they, like, how does this work? But those two are um, really good. And I don't know if necessarily their chemistry, like their chemistry ends up, working but it's very bizarre but those two are great in it especially Chiwetel who uh he needs to do more like lighthearted comedies because he was he's really not that it's a comedy but he's really sweet at it um uh that one was really just a really fascinating take on the possible future I I, I really uh thought that was interesting um I watched the uh Indigo Girls It's Only Life After All documentary which um was that was one of my, I guess, one of my favorite documentaries, but I, I just love the Indigo Girls. So it was cool to see them doing something on their like own terms and um, how they doc, like um, Amy, um, the Amy Ray, like documented a lot of um, stuff through the years. So she kind of like has all these things she keeps, which I thought was really interesting. Um, it kind of like does its own, does its like own kind of format. And there were things that I wish I kind of would have gone into more, but, um, but you could tell that it really just uh, is very much Indigo Girls, true to Indigo Girls. Uh, I saw Run Rabbit Run, and that's with Sarah Snook, which this was a really surprising. Uh, it's like one of those midnight movies, which I those always scare me because last year was the one that I saw. Um, oh, it's the one that was on your list, Joey. The, is it Fear No Evil or See No Evil? Speak No Evil. Speak No oh, Evil. Oh yeah, Speak No Evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that one was so disturbing. So I'm always kind of a little. Uh, leery now, like, oh my god, am I going to scare myself? Uh, but Run, Rabbit, Run, I thought was fun. I know some people were like saying, oh, it's so predictable. I didn't find it predictable, and there is a twist, you know, at the towards the end of it that I didn't see coming that I thought was really interesting. So, um, Sarah Snook is, uh, I kept wondering, like, why is Sarah Snook, you know, it's interesting that she would take this role, and then I realized, oh no, she's perfect for this. So, um, so yeah, I, I had a lot of fun watching that one. Um, and then, yeah, I think that's like, I saw, I watched Mama Cruise, which was cute. Um, uh, yeah, it was, that one was a cute one. Um, trying to think of anything else. Yeah. Those are the ones that I've seen so far though, that, um, it, I, yeah, I've got, uh, I really would like to see theater camp, uh, cat. Person. Uh. <laughs> I know you're going to kill me and I'm trying to get, um, so, um, wait, the one I'm trying to get is you hurt my feelings, but oh, the problem, yeah. the problem is, is that like, even though I have the past, I don't, I can't get into some of these. So th- I don't know. It's kind of weird. I, I would just assume because I'm online and virtual that I would be able to get in, but I haven't been able to get into all of them. So that's a little bit frustrating. Um, but yeah, those, that's what I've seen so far. Is there anything that you guys have been reading about that you, um, that you've been excited to see eventually and like you're hoping like you're really looking forward to. Um, I'm hearing a lot as we did a couple of years ago with um, the pairing of Julie Louis-Dreyfus and Nicole Hofstetter. Yeah. Um, and I want to see that film. And there was another one that I heard was hilarious and I'm, it's, it's, it's escaping me. Um, I don't remember what that one was. <laughs> I'm sorry. That, that's totally that's okay. Anticlimactic. It, it's some comedy with, um, uh, I don't, I'll look it up in, in a second. Joey, what about you? Um, I actually bought some tickets to some to some virtual showings of some movies. 
Um, one of them is Run Rabbit Run, so I'm excited. It was made available today, so I can start watching it, I guess, at some point. Um, and then the other one that I think that I got addicted to was a film called Heroic, um, mm. which I think it's, I, I <laughs> because like you said, I watch all the uh, queer movies, which is, uh, you know, basically my MO. Um, I did like a quick Google search, queer movies at Sundance Film Festival. Um, <laughs> and then I didn't, I forgot that some of these like digital film festivals, they do, um, they limit the amount of tickets that they quote unquote sell to the virtual thing. So I was very slowly combing through the thing and I had a ticket to theater camp. I had a ticket to uh fair play. I had a ticket. I was like, I'm going to spend this money on it. And I'm going to be great. And then I get to, the, they shouldn't let you like put a ticket in the cart if the thing is sold out because after you, you go to your cart and then you click on the next screen, a, a thing will pop up and then it'll just very, a small on the menu say sold out, sold out, sold out. And I was like, do let me put it in the cart? <laughs> you little bitches. Um, so I'm excited to see those two movies and I'm going to try, and I've never done this before, but I also bought a, a pass that gets you into some of the short film programs. So I'm going to check that out because I'm a glutton for punishment and I'm going to start even earlier this year. Third week in January. Let's go. I wish I, 2023. <laughs> I wish I had more time to like, that's the other thing is that like I only have a certain window to watch like Pretty Baby Book Shields. I'd like to watch that mm-hmm. or um, the um, still a Michael J. Fox movie. Like oh, I like to so bad. like, but like they I have to like tomorrow morning, and I'm like this sucks. Like I can't watch every or Cassandro is one that I really yeah. like wanted to watch, but I don't have enough time, and it's really frustrating to try to have to pick and I choose. I mean, I guess that's what happens but um there are a lot of it's not like i i guess i I don't want people thinking oh she picked that one like i'm trying to (laughs) it's really hard to figure out like what works and what what do i have access to too yeah it's sort of like um like when we went to tiff it was sort of like i asked you know i was wrapping up stuff at tiff i didn't even realize all the stuff that was playing there because it is so big and I felt like going through the Sundance schedule, you sort of have to, like when they announce a lineup, you really have to comb through, you know, the schedule and, you know, see what some of these movies about are about or check out the directors and the cast if you want to like really do like a in-depth thing. So I, I, I know that that must be hard. So I completely understand. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard also like finding time to do things whenever, like watching them during the week uh and mm-hmm. working full time. So <laughs> Yeah. That's been hard too. So but Cat Person's probably the one I'm most excited about because I was obsessed with that New Yorker story. So very interested to see uh to see that one. I cannot find the film I was talking about, but it was something like a modern like a some almost a modern takeoff of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Oh, oh, that's on Netflix. It's um it's uh, you people. Oh. Isn't it? I think yes. it's on that. It's coming to Netflix like soon. It's Kenya. Um, yes, that's right. It's, oh, yeah. It's already oh, the on Kenya Bears movie? Yeah. It's on Netflix, I think. It's on Netflix already? I think so. Um, I heard that was really funny. Yeah. That's oh, on that's right. I saw that trailer and I thought it looked funny. Yeah, that did, that does sound really cute. Or some funny. I guess not cute. Funny. <laughs> So one thing I'd like to uh, close with is um, we're obviously talking about Oscars today. Um, It's on Netflix on Friday, actually. So hmm. I will be adding that to my most anticipated in the upcoming week list. Um, What aside from Jonathan major, um, for magazine, uh, what magazine, what's it? Dreams. Dreams. Um, what do you think could have Oscar buzz to use a phrase? Um, I guess if I had to say anything right now, like maybe the fair play screenplay, um, cause it is really sharp and it's, um, if you've watched the TV show industry on HBO, mm. it's, it's a bit like that. Um, cause it's dealing with this, with finance and stocks, which I'm like, oh, great. I got to try to figure this shit out again after watching industry. Like I'm a little bit, I kind of understand, but um, I think it's a really strong screenplay. And um, 
Uh, that's one that I was I was wondering about. That um, I, like, I don't know if it gets in for for um, you know acting or anything, but I think I mean, even though they're fantastic, but the script is really good. Um, I think that um, for documentary, I feel like the disappearance of Cher Height could be something that maybe um, gets some traction for Oscar, maybe. Um, cause I think last year I, I'm on a roll because last the first time I did Sundance, I saw Coda. Um, that was the opening night. The second, the, um, second year I did it, I saw fire of love on opening night. So maybe there's gotta be something in this handful of stuff that I see that could be, um, you know, Oscar. So that's the one that I was thinking of, but, um, yeah, I think so far those are probably that's probably it. There's just a lot of really I I'm always amazed by the talent. Like there's not really a bad movie in the bunch, really. Like everything's people really are so talented and I've really enjoyed it. I'm always so thankful to see the films and see such original stuff too. Um so that that's been really exciting. Excellent. Well, is that uh, anything else you want to say as we close? No, that's it. Yeah. Okay, so let's move off to the flash forward to the media that we're most anticipating in the upcoming week. And I'll go first because I just spoil one of my things, and it's <laughs> Kenny Barris's New People, which is apparently premiering on Netflix this Friday after uh, a, a a slot at uh, Sundance. Um, I have not seen Skinnamarink yet, uh, so uh-huh. I'll be watching that this week. It's and uh, I will be watching To Leslie. Yay, <laughs> I can't wait to hear what you think of that. I just, um, not much to watch on television. Um, we just finished, um, I still haven't watched Blackbird. I still haven't watched Wednesday, but we did finish season three of Dead to Me, um, which was all over the place. Like it's, it's one of those things where it's so achingly well intended that you hate to, to say anything negative about it, but I'll just say it was kind of all over the place, but, um, Christina Applegate and Linda, Car- Linda Cardellini are fantastic in this. Yeah. Just achingly great. And they they work really well together. They have incredible chemistry together. And uh, at the end of the day, you really believe that these two women are friends in real life, which I think is one of the highest pieces of praise I could give them. Yeah. Uh, Megan, what about you? Um, so continuing to, to watch, uh, all these films, like I said, cat person's the one I'm really excited about. Um, I finished the rumors book, by the way, um, Clarence. And I have to say that, um, I was surprised by one of the stories in it where, uh, so it's Ken Calais, one of the producers who's wrote the book. And he talks about how he always has this dog scooter with him, this basset hound. No, wait, a beagle, beagle, beagle. It's a beagle with him. And, um, the beagle would always like harass Christine and Stevie's dogs and like try to hump their dogs and stuff. So whenever like the dog died, like five years later after like rumors. And I guess that Stevie said to him, I'm glad Ken, (laughs) because she's like, he took a key also scooter apparently appears on the cover of the Tusk album. She's like, I'm glad he's gone. She's like, he took my spot on the Tusk album. And I was just like, Oh my God, Stevie, I can't believe that. Mm. Like, and he thinks that like she put a hex on his dog and stuff. But I was just like, wow. Um, it's crazy. That book is, is crazy. Um, I do think that they really undersell how important Stevie Nicks is to the, like you could tell they, they just see her as fluff. Like him and and the the band, um, which I was kind of resentful as a huge Stevie Nicks fan. But anyway, so I finished that book and I'm going to start reading Chuck Klosterman's The 90s is my next book that I think I'm going to read. So I'm excited to read that. Uh, start on that. Um, TV wise, there's a lot that I need to watch. Obviously, The Challenge, My Thousand Pound Best Friends and Thousand Pound Sisters. Milf Manor is a new show that I'm watching. Uh, shrinking on on Apple TV oh, yeah. is something everybody's been talking about uh, with Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford. Uh, uh, so yeah, that's probably that's probably it for this week for me. Joey, uh, I've seen two episodes of Shrinking. I like it. Um, I'm excited for that to come out. The thing I'm most excited about is I want to really see Infinity Pool. Uh, um, I'm, I'm 
I, I feel like they should do um, like a, a campaign, like, like come for the Alexander Skarsgård come shot, stay for the terror. Like that's what I feel like should be the, the full quote. Um, but yeah, that's uh, movie wise. I'm going to say that I'm, I made my list of all the movies that are nominated for Oscars that I haven't seen. I've still been trying to want finish one year where I see every single thing. Every my average is I see everything but one thing, and then for the first couple hours of my Oscar party, I'm very resentful, and then I am, am way too busy. Wait, for the first couple hours, you're resentful the whole time. <laughs> well, I'm resentful for the whole time, but I, I, uh, I uh, then when it you know the party kicks off, it's it's too hard to um, I have to focus. So I was like, never mind. <laughs> so I have to see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I have to say 12 movies, which I think is doable. We have a lot of time. So start on that. Very good. Um, So does that cover it? Yeah. All right. Let's get the hell out of here. So we are the three M's contributors, Joey Moser, Megan McLaughlin, and me, Clarence Moy. Thanking you for joining us, asking you to remember to rate us on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and wishing you a very pleasant tomorrow.